We were designed for deep and intimate connection, but far too often we find ourselves on relational autopilot. You want the marriage you dreamed of, not the marriage that you're settling for. Each week we share personal and professional stories, giving you tools and guidance, empowering you to restore and reimagine the marriage you always wanted. Welcome to the Thrive Marriage Podcast. This month, we are talking about our interview with Dr. Julie Slattery, clinical psychologist, author, speaker, and the president co-founder of Authentic Intimacy. Chris and Tracy talked with Dr. Julie about mortgaged sexuality. And while the entire interview is only available to Thrive Marriage Lab members, we're going to play a snippet of that for you here and dive in to this topic throughout the course of November. Listen in. Talk to couples about being mortgaged on your sex life. And what I mean by that is if you, if I wanted to give you my house, the house that I'm standing in right now, I couldn't give it to you because I don't own the whole thing. The bank owns a good portion of it with our mortgage. And the same is true in our sex lives. When we are together as husband and wife, the goal is to give ourselves completely to each other, physically, mentally, spiritually, in the act of sexual intimacy But in reality, none of us do that fully because parts of our sex life are mortgaged. Uh, What are they mortgaged to? They're mortgaged to shame. They're mortgaged to the guilt of the past, the sin that I haven't confessed. They're mortgaged to secrets. If my husband only knew this, uh, or they're mortgaged in security. I can't show this part of my body because I'm ashamed of it, or it doesn't look good, or I think it'll be rejected. All of these things, Things are ways that Satan has a foothold in your marriage so that when you're together physically, ask each other, what percentage am I able to give you? Mm -hmm. You know, right now I can only give you 20% of me because Mm -hmm. all of this is mortgaged by my past. But let's work Mm -hmm. on being able to give 30% six months from now. What would that look like? Uh, And get to the place where we can really say we're, we're able to give 80%, 90% 80%, 90% of one another. Uh, and that's that's what the goal and the journey of intimacy is over a marriage. Nobody starts with being able to give 100%. Uh, but the problem is many of us get stuck and we don't realize that we're just kind of saying, well, I guess this is the best it's ever going to get. I mean, I, I love that that metaphor that she used with regard to the mortgage because it is it is only it isn't only who owns that or what owns that it's to what degree. Right. Right. And she talked about, you know, going from 10% to 20% to 30% in, in the conversation and, and how we, we can have an increasing investment in our relationship, in our, in our sexual relationship with our spouse over time. And yet there's still something mortgaged. There's still some, some ownership outside of the relationship, outside of the bedroom that uh, invades that, that very intimate and private space. And it feels, like, it feels like that's really an important thing for couples to be aware of is who and, and how many mortgages. Is there, is there one? Is there two? Is there 20? How many other, other owners of my sexuality do I bring into hmm. the marriage bed? Yeah, I, I have a like a thousand thoughts. I mean, you know, one of them is I, uh, who, who else is in the bedroom? And that, that has been a question 
you know, I know we've both asked that um, in working with couples. Can we name who else is in the room? And certainly anybody else that's in, a, in the room owns a part of you, right? Um, and that can, that's significant work to get people out of the bedroom. But it also makes me think, you know, so what are the, what are the categories that, it, that an individual would want to start thinking in? If I, if I, if I'm, if I'm listening and it's like, I have no idea, I wouldn't even begin to know how to think about this for myself. What would be some of the categories that we would think, you know, you might want to consider this or this or this. Well, I do think that even that language that we just used a minute ago of like who else is in the bedroom is pretty provocative, especially Mm -hmm. in that space of like the, the private marriage uh, the marriage room, the marriage bed, uh, that other people might be there. So I think that's a great question, Tracy, about what categories. Um, that might- feels like an obvious one, right? Because we start thinking about people and then, and, and I think most of us, our mind goes to, well, if I've had other sexual partners, right, right, then those people, it feels like they're in the bedroom, right. whether those were partners by choice or, or if I have abuse, mm-hmm. you know, is my abuser in the room? Mm-hmm. with us so okay so that's a category right um I, and, I, mean, I also think you know just in who has had any kind of um underlying subtle uh slightly manipulative uh sexual undertones to your growth and development as a child into an adult so the the uncle that looked at you that way or made a comment mm-hmm. about your butt, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is abusive in and of itself. And yet in, in a lot of categories for people, that's not the, the, the sexual abuse that people might say, hey, I've, I, I'm, I'm still dealing with that. But there is that, that undertone of there is some mortgaging that's happening there. Well, it only takes a moment and it is only takes a moment. It's a a moment. So part of what I'm hearing you say is that if you want to uh, start thinking about this, don't dismiss anything that starts to bubble up. Mm -hmm. Don't be dismissive of, of a moment, right? Mm -hmm. A, A moment that you got looked at and, um, and something was communicated to you. I, part of what I, what I think about, so we're, we're talking about sexuality is like, so, you know, what do I believe about myself as a woman? What do I, what do I even, what do I believe about femininity, about what makes me feminine or what makes me um, a sexual being? What, what, what have I decided about what's sexy? So I'll get, I'll drill down. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's a question. Mm-hmm. What yes. do you, what have you come to believe about what it is to be sexy and, uh, and how does that a- apply to you? Right. You know, another part like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to say another category, I think, especially, you know, for those who have grown up in more traditional homes, yes. Right. right. The, that sexy is dirty. 
Right. And that to, to be aroused or to be sexual in any way is, is not allowed or to be tamped down. And so there's, you know, you say the word, what is, what have I decided it means to be sexy? Well, what have I decided it means to, uh, to be honorable? What have I decided to, to be pure? Right. And, and those things are all both sexy and purity are good things that God has given us to be. And at the same time, how have the, how those been mortgaged, how have those been hijacked into other directions that, that actually tell us, you know, to be sexual is to not, is to be dirty. And so my belief about that, uh, my, my belief about that and what I've decided there or what's been decided for me, mm-hmm. what I've been told, uh, owns, owns part, part of me. Right. And so then what, what am I, what is not available to my spouse? Mm-hmm. Exactly. What is not available to my spouse because it's owned by this belief system. Mm-hmm. Purity culture would be a huge piece of that. And I know a lot of our listeners uh, grew mm-hmm. up in purity culture and mm-hmm. find themselves now, you know, in their uh, late twenties, mid thirties, even late thirties. It's been around that long. Mm-hmm. And, and I, what does purity culture own? Yes. Um, inside of you. I was talking with a client um, recently who was talking about um, for herself, you know, what she came to believe about what would make her valuable Mm -hmm. to a man. Mm -hmm. And so hardworking, um, biblical worldview, Mm -hmm. uh, hospitable, Mm-hmm. willing to help others and, and willing to bear children. Mm-hmm. And so nothing in there in the realm of desire or, uh, or arousal Sexy. or enjoyment. Oh yeah. No, that's not even a category. Right. In fact, that would be, that would be something to be avoided. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh, gosh, you know, those things that like, I, I can imagine uh, and and I'm old enough that uh, that I I remember the words around all of that. Even as my oldest children, my older girls in particular, were you know 10, 11, 12, and and what was the message we wanted to give them? You know, it all just sounded so good. Right, right. And I I think that's part of these things that sounded so good, but. Um, but are just so costly. Mm-hmm. You know, another category that's super significant in the last, you know, 30 years also is, is the um, area of pornography um, and how much pornography owns of the bedroom uh, mm-hmm. and what, you know, man or man and woman alike, what has been viewed, what has been seen, how we have, uh, reacted to that with our, you know, you, you see something, you get aroused, like all of that stuff is part of the, you know, some of those mortgages. And um, I hear couples struggle so deeply with that. 
because what what happens in this realm of pornography is that uh, you know addiction aside and all the hijacking of the heart and all the the destructive nature of what pornography does um, it actually also in uh, especially from a purity culture background it introduces levels uh, of sexual engagement that then are wanted to, you know, people are wanting to employ those in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. but they're not organic from the relationship. They're introduced from outside. And so there's this interplay of this is both beautiful and good in the sexual relationship between husband and wife. And there's this ownership that is happening of even the introduction of that or the question of things and, and, and all that sexually for people that they're like, I want, but I don't want, and I want whole, whole realms of things with, with pornography. And, uh, and I'm yes to mention like, that's not, it's not just a man's issue. Right. I mean, we could do a whole, we could do a series on that. Right. But it's, it's a, it's real and very much a real issue for women. And, um, and there's so much shame I would say, I I feel like it's even added shame, shame upon shame, Mm -hmm. because for so long, pornography has been talked about, you know, like it's a man's issue. It's a man's issue. It's a man's issue. And so particularly in Christian circles for women who have sat in, you know, congregations or uh, seminars or whatever, where pornography is being talked about as a man's issue. And then there's that added and talk about part of your sexuality getting mortgaged. What is wrong with me as a woman? Mm -hmm. What does that say about me as a woman? Mm -hmm. If this is a man's issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that piece. And, and I, you know, Chris, I, and I wonder what, what you would say about this when pornography is part of what is being brought into the bedroom, the, uh, concurrent with that, the lack of presence. Mm-hmm. So the level of, of dissociation mm-hmm. or like leaving your body, not being present it's in your the body. Person you're with, right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And, and, well, I, you know, and that, that's, that's a whole mm-hmm. category, right. Uh, in the realm of what's been mortgaged, it's like, I don't have enough it's not safe enough for me to be in my own body because of what feels like it's owned right. by something or someone right. else. So, I mean, we've talked about the, the categories of purity culture and some of that mortgage that might be there for people, the, the unsafety to feel sexy or feel aroused or enter into a sexual engagement we've talked about, um, the, the active abuse, sexual abuse mm-hmm. of, uh, of someone's past. We've talked about the, the, the potential, I don't want to say passive cause it was still active, but the not often as named sexual abuse in those side comments or moments that, that happen, uh, you know, in our lives, we've talked about pornography and what that looks like. Um, I think there's, there, there's a thousand other things. Well, let's just bring it up, right, to even a, like for women, um, what, what is available in the media, what we see, mm-hmm. and the messages that we get about our bodies. I think, I, I think that unto itself 
is oh. is a place where I, I'm going to dare to say, you know, most every woman, if not every woman, has known some level of struggle there, particularly when you think about, you know, bringing your naked self um, to your husband. Well, and just as you said a moment ago, like yes to pornography with women too, I want to, I want to say yes to that very same thing for men also mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the body types that are glorified in spaces right. and media for men are not the body types that most men have. Right. And the, the confidence to be, like you said, to bring your naked self is like, well, I'm not like him. Mm-hmm. Or as you said, for women, I'm not like her. What, you know, there's this, uh, this mortgage that happens. It's that magazine cover. It's that model. It's that TV show that actually owns some of your sexuality because you've given it uh, reign or, or power to compare yourself to, or uh, to, uh, to say, I'm not like that. So therefore I won't engage. I will reserve part of myself. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure the lights are off or, or whatever, so that my spouse won't get the fullness of who I am. Um, Which is, you know, as we're, as you're saying all of that, what I started thinking about is, you know, naked and not ashamed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're in the realm when we think about mortgages and, um, and what's been mortgaged and who owns the mortgage, we're, we're in the realm of shame. And, and then certainly contempt, but. Um, yeah. I mean, I think important, important space. It is. And I think that to, to take our phrases here together and put them together is naked and not mortgaged. Right. Right. Naked and not owned by anything else or anyone else so that I can bring the fullness of who I am right. into this, this sexual encounter with myself. And not so my spouse can own me. Right. Right. Like so that we're free, free to enjoy one another, free to um, invest in us without anybody, without you owning me or without me owning you. Right. Right. And I love in the conversation that we had with Julie that there is this progressive movement that is possible. And I think some people listening might say, okay, I need to go from, you know, I own 5% of my mm. own sexuality. I own 2%. Uh, and the, the mortgage bank, all these other people, whatever you want to call it, own the 98%. Um, and there, there can be this assumption that we need to go from I own 10% to 100%. And I love that there can be, no, I can move from 10% to 15 and from 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. As part of the resurrection healing part of a marriage is like, can we be progressively intimate and progressively bringing more of ourselves as we do the work to name who owns us in these various places and together to reclaim and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, own those parts of ourselves together in, in naming with one another, hey, this is, this is something that has owned me. You know, this purity culture has owned me. Can we together move away from that into more ownership. Um, well, and can yeah. I be, can I, can I, and can we be coming alive? Do yeah. we have to just declare that we're alive? Right. I think that the beauty of the gospel and is that I need it every single day, every day, 
every day I need it more. So I am both resurrected and being resurrected. Right. It's, it's, it's a both. And, and when I think about, you know, for Mark and I, even just as we've, as we've practically made our way through, you know, almost 34 years, 33 years of being married, we've, we've paid, paid off, paid down, sold houses. (laughs) We haven't arrived. And, and there's always, you know, I can think for us, the points of celebration when we have paid something off, right. And we get to go, ah, like that feels so good. And we feel so free there. Mm -hmm. But I can also think about times when we celebrated signing a mortgage together (laughs) because we decided there was something we wanted to buy together. So I I just, I I think that there's lots of good conversation Mm -hmm. to have around that. But I think really important, as you just mentioned, this is about living your life. This is about coming alive. This is about like daily resurrection over the course of time. It's not about flipping some switch that takes you from one thing to another thing. It it just doesn't work that way. And I want to acknowledge too, that in that daily resurrection, that it is, it is those small steps. And as we talk about anything in the realm of sexuality, like these are, these are, as you said, vitally important conversations to have, but also um, very risky ones and very vulnerable and very scary um, to, to talk about those things. And um, I think, you know, here we're talking about who owns some of that space for you. And a lot of times, as we said, you know, people think it's automatically who else is in the bedroom. It's our previous sexual partners or, or those people that, you know, have, we've been, uh, sexual with in the past in some way it's not just that right it's not just that it's not some confessional right of of that it's it's more probably even more the the recognition of how the enemy has subtly been um buying up space Mm -hmm. right over time uh and it's not often something that we actively give we're not actively selling those things it's more where he's just finding ways through that magazine cover through that snide comment from the uncle through the you know the little pop-up ad for pornography through uh you know some some night at the bar with someone like it's it's those little things along the way um that are really hard to talk about Thanks for listening to the Thrive Marriage Podcast, where each week we're bringing you personal and professional stories to help your relationship. You can learn more about us at restorationcounselingnoco.com or find out more about the Thrive Marriage Lab membership community over in our digital laboratories, restorylabs.com. We open membership up only twice a year, so make sure you join the waitlist to be the first to know. We'll see you same time, same place next week.